goodness. So I started getting some recipes, and his mom gave me her pasta recipe. And just a few years ago, she said to me one day, now he would say, you know, it tastes almost like my mom's, but it's not quite. And just a few years ago, she said to me, did I ever tell you that I put onion in the sauce? And I go, no, you did not. You never told me that. So anyway, so that was, that was our pasta story. And so that just kind of explains our cooking skills because this story I want to share is just needed that background. So I remember one night I had graduated to cooking tacos big time. And so I got the oil, I got the meat made, I got the oil, and I turned on the oil, and, and it was heating up, and I said, oh, no, I don't have any tacos. Oh, I remember, I have them in the freezer. So I thought, great, I'll just throw, pull those tacos out, took them out of the freezer, threw a taco in the, free, in the hot oil. You know what happens, science 101. And I go, oh, so the next brilliant move was, of course, let's put cold water on it. So I turned around and took the pan like this and turned on the cold water. Some of you are laughing at me, but you don't know this. You didn't, I'm telling you, don't ever do this. I am saving you right now. Write this down. Don't put hot ice in, cold ice in hot water and uh, hot oil. And I turned around and it caught on, the flames went up and I had these sheer white curtains it went straight up. Ah, some people know. <laughs> this side, firefighters are over here. Went up, caught the curtain on fire, and all I said was, oh, Jesus, help me. And all of a sudden, the flames went out. There were people there. They saw this. The flames went out. The fire was completely out, and the curtains weren't even cinched. Now, the scripture, there are actually scriptures that just plainly say, God help me. And that was one of those times when the word of God was just life to me. Uh, just, a, just a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago before service, Gabby Mullen, one of our worship vocalists and worship leaders came in, and she had a brace on her arm. I said, Gabby, what happened? She said, well, I was roller skating last night. That's the kind of mom she is. Good for her. And uh, she said, but... I fell, and I think, I think I broke a couple bones in my arm. My neighbor's a doctor, and he looked at it, and it was really, it was just like purple, black, and blue, and her hand was all swollen. I said, well, let's just pray, because the word of God says, if there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church, lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. That's what it says. I believe it. I laid hands on her, and as we're praying, she took her brace off. As we're praying, I felt pop, pop. So we got done praying. I said, Gabby, did you feel that pop, pop? She said, no. And as we were, took my hand up, all of the bruising, every bit of it faded completely from her arm. We watched. There were other people in the worship team. We watched all the fading gone and her hand swelling completely gone. Her hand was instantly healed. Why? Because we were refuging in the presence of God through his word. Because his word is life. His word is truth. We refuge in his presence in prayer, praying always with all prayer, it says in Ephesians 6, 17, and supplication in the spirit. Psalms 50, 15, call on me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. And I want to encourage you, it goes even further. The Bible talks about being filled with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Romans talks about praying with prayers and utterances. Trust me, if you're raising kids, there's time that you do not have words. 
There are times your kids do things that you think, that is not my kid, that is Rick's kid, that is his DNA. <laughs> my kids would not do that. And you pray in this like, oh my goodness, this wrestling in the spirit, and you're like, dear God, I don't even know what to pray. But when we pray and we seek the Lord, and, and when prayer and, and pr the presence of God refuging together, it becomes so powerful when we take that. And in worship, we refuge in his presence in worship. Psalms 32, 7, 8 says, You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You will surround me with songs of deliverance. I've always loved music. I just always, as a little kid, I loved music. In fact, um, I think the first time I played the piano for worship when I was five, because we were in Sunday school. My dad was a pastor. I had a real small little church. And we... Uh, they said, oh, we want to sing, but we don't have any instruments. And I said, it's okay, I'll play. So I went, I had a lot of confidence, never a really a problem. And so I played Jesus Loves Me. And then I was about eight years old, and we were at a PTA meeting. And uh, there was, you know, the school lunchroom was full and the cafeteria. And they said, oh, we'd like to open with God Bless America. <laughs> you wouldn't hear that now. But anyway, um, and they said, does anybody play that on the piano? And I stood up and I said, I do, I do. And I walked over and played. My mom's like, oh my goodness, who is this child? But I just love music and I love sharing music. I love, I mean, I come down here during the week and there's hundreds of kids coming through here during the week that are learning lessons and playing instruments. We have a Suzuki violin program with Mary Shegog and we have, you know, drums and guitar and piano and all that on Sunday mornings, just Take a different route and walk down through here, and you will hear the Latino worship and youth worship and the AM worship team, and you hear all these people just worship. It just, it blesses my heart because we revel in his presence in worship. In his presence, we sing songs to the Lord. We make music to the Lord. Psalms 32, 7 through 8 says, you are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. When, when pastor was sick, I remember just at times just sitting there and just singing. Or in the night seasons when your children, you know, they've got a cold or a cough or a fever. And you just, you sing over them. I still remember. And to this day, my mom is 87 and she's up at her, my brother's church speaking. And she would just lay her cool hand on my head when I was a kid and she would sing. And I would just feel the presence of God when we worship in our homes and worship is a part of our homes. We think of Paul in, in prison in, in the book of Acts chapter 16 and the religious leaders were incited against the Christians because things were happening and it was threatening their little world they had created. And so they were inciting the Romans saying, you got to get rid of these Christians. They're really messing up things for us. People aren't coming to the synagogue. They're not paying their dues, you know. And so they beat them. They threw them in prison. They locked them up. They put them in stocks. And what did they do? They started praising God, singing, worshiping the Lord. And what happened? You guys remember Sunday school? An earthquake came. It shook so hard, all of their chains fell up off, and they walked out of prison. Because worship brings down strongholds. Think of the story of Jehoshaphat in Chronicles. It says that the children of Israel were surrounded on every side. Now, parenting and having a family and living in Babylon is just like that. 
Do you ever just feel surrounded on every side? I mean, you hear all this stuff. And because we have Instagram and Facebook and media and all these things, it's like all the evilness of the world is right. In, we wake up in the morning and it's on our front door, right? Because the reality is the world is experiencing a huge cultural shift. And so we know, we see this, how, how Paul, this, this music, this chains were broken, and Jehoshaphat, this story of how that he told the people, let's fast and let's pray. They begin fasting and praying, and then the time came to go out to battle. They use Ephesians 6, spiritual warfare. They use 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, where it says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are spiritual through God to the pulling down of strongholds, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Families, you can have God's rule and reign in your life in your home. You can have a refuge of God's presence in your home when you allow him to rule and reign and know that the weapons of your warfare are not the flesh. Discipline is not punishment. It's discipleship. It's not punishing. It's polishing. And so often we try to take these, you know, all these carnal things. Oh, you're so good, Johnny. You're such, you never do. You're a good boy. Heck no. Johnny's got a sin nature, parents. Don't lie to your kids. We give them a refuge when we speak to them. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. No, you are having a temper tantrum right now because you don't get to play in your video games. And I am taking them away. And I don't care if you turn purple in your face. I can call 911. They'll come here and resuscitate you. Right? Come on. This is parenting. This is how it's done. I'm going to save you a lot of money in therapy today. <laughs> so Jehoshaphat, they fast and they pray, and the Lord speaks to them. Jehoshaphat, today, you're going to win the battle. Jehoshaphat's going, let's polish our armor. Guys, get your swords. We're going out there. And God says, oh, no. Mm -mm. No, what we're going to do today is you're going to send the worship team out there first. And the worship team's like, oh, no, send the... And those guys, they've been practicing. <laughs> we just have tambourines. And so what happens? He sends them out. They begin worshiping and singing. It says, in the beauty of his holiness. They go out into battle as they're singing and worshiping. And what happens? The enemy's confused and scatters and completely runs away. Confused. Because worship ushers in this presence of God, in this reality, in this refuge, in him. As we worship, he becomes our hiding place. Now, don't get me wrong. Worship isn't a magic wand. I sing three verses of amazing grace and one verse of hallelujah, and maybe I'll try Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of... It doesn't work that way. You wake up, everything's fine. It's beautiful. All the kids are happy. The house is clean, and dinner is on the table. <laughs> oh, and there's money in your bank. <laughs> no, but what happens is when we worship in the refuge of the Lord, it brings this core to us in his presence. And it brings us into alignment. We find in his presence together in camaraderie, friendship, and kindness. We find refuge as a community when 
Pastor Rick was sick one night. I was, you know, a lot of confusion and things going on, and I, the nurse came. She said, you have two friends here. Darla and Marty have come. They want to talk to you. So I went out, and they had brought me a beautiful white blanket, and they said, we came here to just wrap you in God's presence. And they sat in the, in the meeting room, in the waiting room with me, and they prayed over me. They said, do you need anything? Can we help you with anything? Can we do anything for you? It brought such a refuge to my soul because every, all the focus was on Pastor Rick, and it needed to be. But they knew God sent them because they knew I needed a refuge too. And he sent them as a refuge because we need that fellowship. We were refuging in God, refuging in his promises. What are your go-to promises? My life verse is this, Deuteronomy 33, 27, the eternal God is my refuge. And underneath are his everlasting arms. I love that. Can you just get that picture? Underneath are not his sometimes arms. Underneath aren't just like some, maybe he'll be there, you know. Like you remember playing that game and your brothers would say, why don't you fall back and we'll catch you? Do you guys remember that game? And it was like, it was like 50-50. And I was very gullible. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> That's not our God. It says his everlasting arms. John 6.33 says, It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. 2 Corinthians 1.20 For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. Isaiah 43.2-3 When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When we walk through the fire or cook with hot oil and frozen tacos, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you, for I am the Lord your God. Isaiah 54, 27. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me. Kids can be so cruel. Kids would come home, especially fourth through sixth grade girls. I mean, talk about mean girls. And the kids would come home and say, you know, oh, this was, they said this meme. And I just say, you know what? Mm -mm. No weapon fashioned against you will prosper. No tongue, every tongue that rises against you, God's going to condemn. And we would see the Lord over and over again rescue them and turn bad situations into good because that's the word of God. And I was refuging and teaching them to refuge in his promises. But James chapter 4, 7 says this, therefore, now this is a promise of God. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. There's a predicate with a promise. There's a prerequisite with a promise. We have to obey God's word in order to receive the bountiful blessing that God has for us. We frustrate God's grace when we try to do it our ways, and moms are great at this. You know, we really think that we can handle it for our kids. You know, like your first kid, you've got their lives all lined up. I remember poor Carolyn when she went away to college. I used to cry every Monday, Sunday night because she was going to the dorm, and I'd be so sad. And then Cindy, she decided to stay home, which we were so excited about. 
And then Nicole, and then by then it was like, okay, well, I'll hope to see you guys home by 12. That's it. You know, you just kind of gets kind of a little bit easier because you're, you know, you realize you, you can't control everything. You're just not able to because you aren't God. And you need to be thankful that I am not God. But it says here, submit to God. In Deuteronomy, in fact, I'm going to encourage every family this week to read Deuteronomy 28. Because he says, these are the things that I will bless you in, but if you disobey my word, I won't bless you. Not because he's mean, he's not an ogre, it's because he knows that his way is the best way. One of the most tragic things that I have happen is women who come to me and say, I wish I would have let God do it his way in my life. Trying to circumvent God's plan because he wasn't working as fast as he, they thought he should. And I know it's with men too, but I primarily deal with women. And his word, it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Parents, if you're allowing things into your home, and you think your kids are going to live different than you, if you're watching X-rated movies in your home, don't expect your kids to be raised any different. If you're cussing in your home, and you have a foul mouth, and you've got drugs and alcohol, don't expect your kids to do any different. If you're living a sexually immoral life, you cannot hide it from your kids. They know, and they will not live any different. You want to draw near to God. You want a refuge in his presence. You need to resist the devil. He will flee from you. And it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. One thing about uh, our ability as believers is we're called priests and kings. And a priest in the Old Testament, one of their jobs was to go ahead of the children of Israel when they were traveling to set up the tent, the tabernacle of worship. So their job, they were tent, setting up tent. They were setting up the meeting place of God. And they would go before. In fact, if you were walking through the wilderness and you came over a hill and you looked down where the children of Israel were, the way that they set up was in the shape of a cross. Now, what about that? Even the plan of salvation there, the shape of a cross, they could look down and see that the redemption was going to come through the cross, through that precious lamb of Jesus. But we as a family and as a community have been called to be tent makers. Your home is a place where you can make tents for your kids. I would like to say that I never walked away from the Lord, never sinned. I, did, I have served the Lord my whole life, but I'm not perfect, and I have times of rebellion. I have times our, our kids walk through rebellious times, but praise God, he always brings them back. But I wanted always, and to this day, I want my home to be a tent. I want my home to be a place that when my kids come in, when they bring their friends in, and now my teenage grandchildren, when they come in, I want them to go, refuge. Carolyn was in Bible college, and she was in the week of her finals, and she, uh, she came home one day, and I happened to be playing the piano, and she said, as I was worshiping, she just laid on the couch, and then she sat up. She goes, oh, I just needed this. I just needed to hear you worship, Mom. Went on her way, probably got straight A's knowing Carolyn, 
refuging in his promises, and then we know that we can refuge in his future. It's not my future, it's his future. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you future and a hope. Matthew 6 says, therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of his God and his right standard of living, it says in one of the translations, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, because of all this, do not worry about tomorrow. We do all these things, we don't have to worry. Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing, and may you abound in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I love this. Hosea 2, 15, And out of the valley of Acre is a door of hope. You know, Acre, he was the one. Achan, he went in, you know, they were raided the camp, and he stole when they were told not to touch the spoil. And he took and he hid the robe in his tent. And then there was punishment on the children of Israel. And the Lord revealed it was Achan. And they took him outside of the city and they stoned him and his entire family. And that scripture in Hosea says, out of that valley is a door of hope. You think you're hopeless? You think your family is too hopeless? Do you think that the sin you've done and the things you've done are too hopeless for God's grace? No. Because out of that valley of hope, through the cross, is redemption from our sins. And you can have a new beginning when you refuge in God. Those are the hopes that we have, the hope of his future. And let me tell you, this is so awesome. This isn't our home. Ha! This is not my home. Heaven is my home. I am not a citizen of this earth. Take refuge in that. I'm a citizen of heaven. And heaven is real. Someday, we are going to go all together, those that are followers of Jesus Christ, that have received his gift of salvation. It says, Isaiah 65, 17, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former, former shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. Revelations 21, 4, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and they shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed. And I want us to read this last scripture together. Revelations 22, verses 3 through 5. Let's say this together. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb of God shall be in it. And a servant shall serve him, and they shall see his face. Stop right here. We're going to see the face of God. We're going to see the face of God. We're going to walk into the heavenlies, and we're going to all be there in the Last Supper, and we're going to be looking and going, it's true. There's God. There's his face. I see the face. I see him. It talks about in the heavenlies, the holy of holies, that all the four and 20 elders are already, already right now around the throat of God saying, holy Holy is the Lord. You are worthy to receive all glory and honor and praise. It's going to be amazing. And his name shall be on their foreheads. Read with me. And his name shall be on their foreheads. 
There shall be no night there. They need no lamp or light of the sun, for the Lord gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. I guess it's solar in heaven. <laughs> Listen, if the natural earth and these resources are so amazing, Pastor Rick and I have traveled, and we have hiked in northern part of Italy. We have hiked the John Muir, much of the John Muir tra Trail in Yosemite. We've hiked Yosemite Falls, lower and upper. And let me tell you, it's pretty awesome. And that's the spoiled world. Just think what heaven's going to be like. And tell your kids, hey, you're having a bad day. Don't worry about it. This isn't your home anyway. In 10 years, you won't even remember the name of the school. You won't remember that boy that broke your heart or that girl that told a lie. But beyond that, this isn't our home. We're going to go to heaven. This psalm Psalms 46 ends with this. Be still and know that I am God. Yeah. We have a society that's moral decay, the scripture said. In the last days it would be rough. Jesus told the disciples, John 16, these things I've spoken unto me, that in me you might have peace. In the world, you're going to all have tribulation. They didn't even know what was coming. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Whatever, wherever you are right now, God loves you. God is your refuge. If you aren't walking in God's plan, just stop resisting him today. And all of your enemies are going to flee when you resist the devil. And you do it's God's way. You say, I believe God's word. Matthew 6, If you say, seek first and do it your way, and all these things will be added to you, I'm going to try that. You've tried all the other plans. You might as well give it a shot. I mean, really, truly, refuge in God. He is your shelter. He is a present day and help in trouble. Lord, we come to you this morning. We thank you so much for the word of God. It's truth and life. You don't lie to us. It says in your word that God is not a man, that he should lie, nor the son of God, that he should repent. Hath he spoken and shall he not do it? Has he said it and shall it not come to pass? This truly is you, God. You are truth. You are life. You are hope. So this morning, Father, we lean into your goodness and into your presence. It says in your presence, there's pleasures evermore. There's joy, fullness of joy. So, Lord, this morning we just gather ourselves into your presence. We just rest in your arms. Lord, for those families that are experiencing a shaking up and turmoil, I speak peace in the name of Jesus. I speak hope in the name of Jesus. I speak life in the name of Jesus. I speak healing in the name of Jesus. This very moment where there's addictions and there's things that are happening, anxiety attacks, we speak life in the name of Jesus. We speak hope and deliverance in Jesus' name. And this morning... You might be saying, you know, Carol, I really have not been living my life for God. Maybe, you know, this is something you've been contemplating. Things aren't going that well. And maybe you're going, maybe I need to kind of get back to that refuge. Today is the day of salvation, it says. And perhaps you came this morning and you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And today's the day. And I just feel that I'm going to do a little different. We're just going to pray. And I want us all just to pray along. And if you want to receive Jesus, we had several in the first service. Or 
You just need to make a rededication of your life. Just do that between you and the Lord. Okay, let's pray. Let's say this together. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I recognize that my sin has separated myself from you. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from my unrighteous ways. And restore me to the joy of my salvation. And Lord, I surrender my circumstances to you. Maybe right now, church, maybe some of you, your circumstances are a mess because you have not been doing it God's way. And you're thinking, how am I going to get out of this? And the Lord's just saying, put your trust in me. I'll take care of it. Let's continue praying. Thank you, Jesus, for this great day of salvation and hope. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. This morning, I'm going to, Pastor Scott will be right over at this table. And if those of you that want to make that dedication to the Lord, Pastor Scott will be there. Scott, could you raise your hand so they see? He'll be over there. Our prayer room's going to be open. We're there to pray for the sick. If you are having turmoil in your home, God wants to touch your family. And today when you leave, um, Tiffany, our worship leader, she drew a beautiful um, scripture. And one of the things we do on our home is I like to put scripture out and hang it. You know, it's not like the guy that I, his wife was praying for him to get saved and she put all scriptures in his underwear. <laughs> now, I have to give a disclaimer. She did get saved, but I don't think it had anything to do with scripture. Anything. Anyway, um, how did I say that? Anyway. I just want to encourage you, take it on the way out, all the ladies, they're going to hit, it's beautiful, it says for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, and you can frame it and put it up to remember this day that God is your refuge, a very present help in trouble. God bless you guys. Happy Mother's Day. She's intense like that all the time. Um, we're going we're gonna to worship God two ways. We do this at the end of our service. One is with the work of our hands. We bring our offerings to the Lord. We're worshiping God. And some of you will want to do that, and I know you came prepared to do that. And we're going to receive the offering. For those that would like to do that, you can always give online as well. Same thing. And then we worship God with the sacrifice of praise of our lips. We honor God in, in our voices as we sing to the Lord and worship him that way. But we do it this way at the end because when you've heard the word and God's given the word and something's touched your heart, you don't want to, as the scripture says, go away and quickly forget what has the word of God does come to you. The word of God is a mirror. It shows us things in our life that God wants to transform. God